must be like the wolf pack, not like six pack. Teamwork. Yes. Hello and welcome to another episode of There's No I in Podcast, a podcast about teams. It's about being in teams. It's about leading teams. It is about making the most out of your teams. My name is Mark Johnson. I'm a performance maker and a performance teacher, and I am joined once again on a bright and sunny day by my partner in pod and uh, office mate at our shared workplace, sports coach and uh, head of co-curricular and sport, Sean Gallagher. Hello, Sean. Hello, Mark. How are we doing today? Not too bad. Not too bad. Uh, I was supposed to have... um a thing to do early this morning um, and then it was cancelled so I was up earlier than I needed to be which was frustrating but uh, besides that all good enjoying the rest of my Sunday no I'm a highly motivated morning person I'm really not and it goes against a lot of the things I kind of talk about when it comes to kind of sport and coaching and you know that kind of self-motivation but I'm just going on the science and there are night owls and there are the other people um and my body clock works as a as a night owl so i'm still productive i still get stuff done i just get them done at different times uh and yeah, not was, at six I o'clock was, in the morning i was listening to someone talk about this the other day and they were talking about uh the imperative that comes from our hunter-gatherer days and that sean you are the descendant of the people who would sit up at night guarding the fire and uh, guarding against uh, the wilds encroaching on our on our good night's sleep. So uh, I, there we I go. guess thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> You're very welcome. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's lots of books out there. Um, I think it's the, is it the 4am club or the 5am club? I forget which one, but um, basically one of those clubs uh, to kind of really smash through uh, some pr- productivity early on in your morning before everyone is asleep. And I definitely do get the psychology behind, uh, you know, feeling as though you've got a ton of stuff done before anyone's even woken up. And if that means going out for a run or if that means, you know, getting some morning pages, you know, the, yeah, morning the pages, that kind of stuff. Yeah, exactly. Doing that before people have woken up. I definitely see benefits in it. And my brother is much more of a a morning person than I am, which can be a clash when we want to do stuff together because, you know, (laughs) the time has to be kind of somewhere in the middle. (laughs) It it means that your Sunday lunches are perfect. They're like the meeting point. They're your breakfast and his dinner. (laughs) Absolutely is a great way of putting it. Um, But yeah, no, so not very much morning person. You are though, Mark, aren't you? You're a bright and early. Uh, I can be like sometimes and certainly not this this half term uh, I have been an absolute drag myself out of bed uh, it is it is one of those things that that kind of gets recommended or that you read as, as a fix to feeling unproductive or to get stuff in and I and I always kind of imagine I could train myself to be that person and get that extra hour of of changing the world in before the day starts and I've never managed it um you know so I find I find uh that kind of crunch time ends up where I do my best work like right at the end of a process uh where the deadline is looming rather than the the forward thinking stuff but uh, I, I wonder where that puts I wonder who that is in the uh Belbin team roles I'm not sure off the top of my head where that I think who the you would uh, be. Pan- panicker 
Is the panicker. There, I'm not sure the they've uh, officially cert- certified the panicker yet. Um, we've got an exciting one today, haven't we? Very much so. It's a milestone. It is indeed. It is. It's the big 4-0. Um, some of us have uh, have hit that milestone on this podcast. Others have a long way to go. <laughs> but this is, our, this is our 40th episode and it's, it's very, very exciting. We have... Uh, been on this journey courtesy of a pandemic and we keep on trying to make it better and we keep on trying to experiment like last week's live episode. This one isn't live. I will be editing this one. Um, uh, Did you enjoy the live episode for number 39? It was good. Um, I think it would be better to have some more feedback from others to say whether they enjoyed it because it'd be interesting to see if they found a big difference between it being live uh, and uh, and the, the, the kind of pre-recorded episodes um but i I, yeah i felt okay with it um i think it was easier because we didn't have a guest i think if you asked me to go live with a guest that may be again another stretch and challenge for the podcast (laughs) so we may have to uh look into that uh but um no overall it was it was okay it was good it gave me the performance juice that's for certain like i felt i felt switched on like we've got an audience boom uh, even though technically, because we didn't we didn't put the link out there, we had no one listening live. So the only people who've listened to it have listened to the the podcast version. This is true. So we cheated a little bit, is what you're saying? Absolutely, but I think it's something we might do more of. Um, we were talking about the various different apps for kind of broadening conversation that are out there at the moment, uh, and maybe we'll try some of those out uh, stereo or clubhouse or that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, for our fortieth. We've saved this one, actually. We recorded this a couple of weeks ago, but have saved it for a milestone because it was such a great conversation. Um, we managed to invite on, and uh, he's come to join us, someone who's written one of the books on uh, teamwork and, in particular, uh, team psychological safety, uh, Peter Kowalian. And Peter joined us from about as far away as... I was about to say about as far away as a guest has come, but actually... We had Danny from Australia. So from the Far East, from Thailand, Peter joined us on a call. And uh, Peter wrote a book called The Untapped Team uh, Advantage. And it looks at how you build teams in a way that kind of lifts everyone and lifts lifts the building. What was it, what was it he said, Sean, uh, about teamwork? Uh, yeah, I loved his quote. It's very early on in, in, in the book. Um, but he said, I... Uh, I'm biased, but I think teams are the best thing around after coffee. Uh, and we can definitely get behind that quote yeah. on this podcast. Both both teamwork being great and coffee being better than teamwork. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm a terrible team member without coffee. But uh, Peter actually is um, uh, an academic in teamwork. So he's done a lot of research on this idea of team psychological safety. And that research comes out in the book in a really fun um really digestible way so he talks about the book the whole way through uh so keep an ear out for it but um it was a super chat and we're really really pleased to be able to uh, present it for a milestone episode um so without any further ado um let's let's get over to our conversation with peter kawalia so we uh, very rarely get the opportunity to say we're going to be speaking to someone who wrote the book on it, um, but we are massively excited to talk today to Peter Kowalia. Peter is uh, the chief team connector 
for an organization he set up called Teamers One. And he is the author of a book uh, called The Untapped Team Advantage. Um, he's also co-authored books on uh, action learning. And we'll talk about that a bit later on. Peter, thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for having me, Mark. Good to be with you. It's re- we're, we're massively excited. Hi, Peter. Hi, Peter. Thank you so much thank for joining, so much. Us. joining us. Really looking really forward looking to this one. As Mark as says, Mark you know, said, we, uh, we've we got someone who's wrote the book on it. So uh, really looking forward to this one and uh, sort of deep diving into all things teams. So I give you the most brief introduction there. Uh, perhaps you wouldn't mind telling the listeners your background, how you got to where you are at the moment. All right. So I'm um, originally from Belgium. Uh, I spent most of my life, though, in Asia. Uh, that was not my life's plan. That's how things turned out. Uh, and I've been here. Actually, this year, I'm going to celebrate my 30th year in Asia, in Thailand. So I do feel a bit more at home here, to be honest, than Europe, right? I still go back to my family, but that's about it. So I've had, let's, if I can keep it simple, two parts to my career. I'm an engineer by training. And the first 20 years, I worked for a large, uh, more than one, but mainly a, a, manuf- a manufacturing organization. I was in charge of operations. So making sure products get delivered on cost, on quality, on target, etc. And I enjoyed that. I spent 20 years with that company in Asia and in North America. I was in North America for a while. But then eight years ago, I started the second part of my career where I left the organization and I decided to go off on my own. And after about two or three years, my first idea was to find my space in the leadership sphere in the leadership area but it quickly narrowed down to teams Uh, a few things happened at the same time Um, first of all i did a phd in team learning and i think we'll come back on that uh, in this discussion so that opened my eyes to a number of things Um, and i really enjoyed the work i did and and part of what i did is is captured in the book today Um, i also found, and I'm talking about six, seven, eight years ago, that not many people are actually taking teams as a core focus. Yes, everybody touches about it. I mean, it's difficult not to talk about it, but it's just, well, well, we do leadership and yes, we do some teams once in a while and then we do some culture and vision and mission and we kind of do everything. And I hadn't come across anybody that has maybe changed a bit now, but not even that dramatically. I still find today, at least in the part of the world I work and live in, in Southeast Asia, there's very few people that actually focus on teams. So that's my second part of my career for eight years now. Um, I am focusing on helping teams become better. That's the only focus I do. I don't do you know, leadership development. I just do developing of a team. And, and I really enjoy it and I'm happy with, um, with where I am at this point in my career. Amazing. You talked a little, or you mentioned there, your, your book and your PhD uh, where the book is a, a bit of an extension about the PhD. Am I right in thinking that kind of the principle that sits at the center of the the way that you think about teams? And it is really interesting. So I'm going to go sidetrack. We spent uh, our last podcast talking about leadership. So this kind of separation of leadership and teamwork is an interesting thing for me. Do you want to speak a little bit about about how you found that split? Okay, that's a good question. Now, of course, in my book also and in the work I do, um, I could say ultimately it's about developing leaders. But the reason I so hard, uh, I so strongly emphasize on team development is because 
what I see in other approaches is that just the team is kind of chapter number three in the program, whereas chapter number one is strategy, vision, mission, etc., etc. And I do think, first of all, that it's really it's a complex and an exciting subject that is worthy of its own place. Secondly, I do think that in most leadership approaches, leadership development approaches that touch upon teams, the, the, the topic is really watered down too much. Uh, one of the key things I talk about in the book is that too often, we, when we talk about teams, we talk about the team leader and what the team leader should do or not do or must avoid doing, etc., etc., it's a lot focused on the team as, as if those other five or six or seven or whatever members of the team kind of kind of just happen to be part of the the core. Yeah. And a key point I make in my work is that the team is not just the leader with then six people with a dotted line or whatever line connected to him or her. No, the team is those, let's say, six plus one, seven people and how they as a unit connect together. And, and so I really... I don't think I say anything in the book that's contradictory to leadership with relation to teams, but I just think I, I, I go way more and I put the team in the fore as opposed to just yeah. the leader of the team. I don't mean to be presumptuous, but uh, sounds like an engineer talking about teams right there. <laughs> well, while you have me, allow me to do, uh, you, for sure you'll know this is the engineer talking. Now, I just give the example of, but something that's fascinating for me, and every time I have a, a discussion with people, their eyes kind of go, go open like that. Let's say we have a team of seven people, a leader with six people, and, and that's a team, that's a leadership team. So very often when you think about a team, we think about seven people. The way I think about that team is there is 21 connections in that team. Okay. That's the engineer. And for me, when you have those seven people lined up, if I can use it, or put, put them in a circle, right? Yeah. That is not the team. That is just an, 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 a collection of individuals. What really makes it into a team or not is what happens between those people. What happens between Mark and Sean? What happens between Mark and Sean when Peter is there or when Peter is not there? And that's really why I call, um, I, I use as a subtitle, Mark, for my book. I, I, the subtitle is Building Team Connections as a leadership, cho leadership Choice. And to go back to your point, too often when you think about leadership in connection with teams, we think about recruiting the right people, getting the wrong people on the bus, right? That's one of those... Yeah, uh, out. kind of the aphorism. There you yeah. go. And, and that's as, as if that's it. As if you fill, you put six bodies into the six buckets and then you're done. And I say that's really where it gets started because mm. what happens between all those people is really where it gets fascinating and where, interestingly, the leader does not have full control. The leader, in my example, one person, one leader with six people in the team, the leader is a part of six connections, but he's not part of the 21 minus six is 15, of the 15 other connections, which are as much part of the team. And I find that so fascinating that, you know, as a leader, you can do great stuff and hopefully the leader does that, but that's really only part of what a team is about, what the team is about. That's, that's fascinating already there, Peter, um, to think of it in, in that context and to think about those 21 connections. So where does ownership live 
then within within the team because if we're saying it's not this um this powerful leader and inspirational leader who's going to change these six these six people who, who have all these connections then those people need to have an ownership as to what they bring to that bus so is there is there an ownership side side to it it is uh, allow me to to give my thoughts like this now if i have six people and one of them is the marketing person right just picking something up here of course the marketing person has ownership is responsible for i don't know the marketing budget the marketing project the marketing anything to do with marketing that's obvious same thing for the five or six of them they each have their kind of area of responsibility and, and therefore ownership but again, that's just taking those six individuals, putting into six bucket and say, you do your marketing stuff and do your finance and you do your finance stuff. What the team is really about is when you put those six people, seven people, whatever is the number we have now, and you say, we're going to do something together. And so the team is not the team 24 hours, seven days a week. The team is the team when they may be going to look at launching the new product where the marketing person and the finance person and everybody everybody the, the five or six will be involved and then to go back to your question sean for me that needs to be owned by the team so let's call it the new product launch in q4 that is owned by the team now the marketing manager is doing her stuff on marketing things and they are responsible for their little sub buckets but the project as a whole has to be owned by the leadership team. And, and it is a challenge, I have to admit, because uh, may, very often leadership teams are not the shining light when it comes to really giving the example of owning something together as a leadership team. Yeah, of, of presenting that kind of sense of accountability. Correct. Um, um, so you have described, or I've interpreted your description as this relationship or this connection as the base unit of a team. Now, Sean and I both start teams quite frequently. Sean as a sports coach, myself as a director of people making theatre, we kind of start that process quite repeatedly. Like every year we get a new cohort, we have to kind of create those connections. We've both been on, in a business context and in a work context, the close your eyes and fall backwards into the arms of your team and I'm not going to say that necessarily is the right tool for building that connection, that base unit. How how do we go? How do we go about that? What does that need? All right. Um, by the way, thanks for picking up on the word connections. I actually put one quote in my own book. You know, can you do that? Put your own quote in your book. I guess you can because the editor uh, allowed, you can do what you like. You allowed it to stay right. But I'm actually happy with my own quote because my quote is the following. It's very simple. The team is the connections. Got it? And there's the our team episode title. is the connections. Yeah, maybe it is. Yeah. And, and so just to illustrate really, yes, I do emphasize that a lot. Now, Mark, there is no silver bullet. I'm not going to tell you here, oh, on page 27, you have the guide to build the connections. Um, I don't want to also be too generic, but I would say... It's some, you, you mentioned that you started a few times, right? Because when you have a new team or a new whatever it is, academics year or a new yeah. a cycle that's going to start. And, and it's never going to finish. You know, it's not, it's, oh, we're going to do the two first weeks, we're going to build the connections and then we're just, just going to get to work. It is part of being the team. And so there is, you can, small, you can take some small steps and you can get a more formal, you know, 
everybody getting together, getting to know one another, which you, you surely do. But too often this is ticked off as, okay, we've done the get together one another thing. Whereas really building those connections should be a threat along the life of the team. Just like working together is, we should not kind of hope or assume that those connections kind of stay okay. Yeah. And too often that's what we do. And we only wake up or think about it when something went a little bit wrong, right? And, and I, I advocate for as regular way of working, uh, building those connections, learning, and that, I think that's a word we're going to come back on, uh, bringing learning into every single thing the team does from day one all the way to halfway. And I guess if it's a team that abandons at some point, all the way to the end. Yeah, I can see the behind you on your background, Peter, you know, the word sustaining high performance. Yes. Do you think, um, I'm sure you can't put, you're not going to put a number of years on it or a period of time on what, what we class as, as actually high performance and success. But I think we can't really say we're successful until there is at least a longevity to, to that high performance being on a year by year. Um, how do we go about sustaining that? So fortunately, you didn't ask me how long is sustaining, right? Because I don't have exactly. a good answer for that, right? <laughs> um, I mean, look, look, just, just I was, Liverpool was the heroes last year. And all of a sudden, we're hardly a few months later. And it's going like, oh my God, what happened there? Right. Um, and, and so, and in some teams and organizations, you could say, well, you know, it, it's, longevity or sustainability is more like five or six or seven years and 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 you know sean i'm a i'm a, I'm a simple man um many many i don't have like 27 tools in my box for me the key to longevity sustainability is again the learning part uh, and that's why i i allow me to backtrack a bit we talked about my phd and and I, ha I will admit, um, I discovered a lot of things there because when you do a PhD, you really go into depth into a very small area of the knowledge that's out there. And so the area I went into was team learning. And that's, of course, and we'll talk about team psychological safety in a while. That's where I came across team psychological safety. And too often we, 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 we think about high performance team. What's the key word in high performance team? It's performance, right? There has to be performance, performance, performance. How do you get performance? Well, maybe there's other answers to that, but my answer is that is only by learning. And learning when things go well, learning when things don't go so well, learning about the job you do, whether it's playing soccer or making widgets, and also learning about the people with whom you do it. And so to go back on what we mentioned about connections, it's also learning about these connections, not just on day one, because, oh, I just met Mark for the first time, let's have a little chat about your life, my life. No, it's a continued learning. And, and it's easier said than done. We need to find ways to integrate that in the way we work. Uh, if it's just one thing that pumps up every six months, oh, let's do the learning event. Let's all go off to the beach and talk about what we've learned. That doesn't work. We have to integrate it with very simple, regular routine work. So to come to, to summarize again, um, the key for me is learning because that is ultimately what determines performance. If you can learn from what you did today or yesterday and do better or adapt tomorrow, that is for me the definition of high performance. And as we're going to get onto it in a bit, because I do really want to talk about team psychological safety, 
that regular routine work, is that a part of what you're doing with action learning? Is that where the process of action learning becomes part of how a team operates? That is in the way the work I do, a key, a key um, tool. Uh, it's not a light one. It's not something you can do like, um, you know, it, it's pretty intense and you only do it for big topics, big challenges, big issues. But there are elements of that action learning methodology that we bring without doing the whole action learning set and, and you know, the time it takes, but take those elements of reflection. Now, so, so let me give you an example. Very simple. We could, at the end of our call, we're going to talk here for whatever, 45 minutes, we could stop the recording and take five minutes, 10 minutes to say, what did we do well today? What did the three of us, right? Not you, Mark, and, and then you, Sean, and then Peter, but overall, what did we do well? What could we have done better? And assuming we have a new recording in two weeks from now, what, what will we do differently at that time? Now, that's a micro, I call that a micro uh, reflection and that can be connected to every single thing we do, every single meeting, every one, even a one-on-one -on -one discussion. It becomes a mindset of taking very little time, okay? Not the big bang every six months, but with just integrate with everything we do, a small reflection, say what was going well, what should have done, been differently, and what actions do we take from here? It's so interesting that you put it that way. So Sean and I both work with young people and on a regular basis, it's part of our practice to do this kind of reflection. But the thing that you said that I'm, that's kind of landing differently is that we often ask for that reflection to be individual. Mm. Even if it's not about myself, I'll often ask them, okay, shout out someone else and what they did well, mm. rather than considering the group as an entity yeah that only works because we are doing something well together and trying to identify exactly. that. It's really interesting. You see, there you, and I don't say that the individual part cannot be done, but there is a different dimension to say, now we're a team here, guys. We're a team. We're a team, whatever, new product Q4. Now, what did we as a team do well? And, and so, yes, there is an added, for me, dimension, uh, rather than picking out, you know, the people that 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 I thought did something outstanding. Yeah. Did, um, we we um, we've uh, spoken to um, Belbin uh, in terms of their team roles, and it's just coming back to me now. I just remember a part where you know, like you said, you have those six people, and they all have their different roles: marketing, finance, and yes, they need to connect, um, but they also need to know where they sit in that project when they need to come in. And when they need to maybe leave and step away and maybe even start their creative process on another project, because that's their expertise. Is that something that that speaks to you and something that we uh, we should take forward in our teams? Yes, I, yes, it does. And I do use Belbin. It's, and I mentioned it in the book uh, at, at some point uh, on the part. Belbin yeah. uses nine different team roles, which are not the function, right? It's marketing and finance. But then the marketing guy can be the driver and the finance guy can be the the person who makes sure we stay on track. Exactly. And, and again, it opens up, um, oh, it's, we could talk about this forever, but, but for me, Belbin, <laughs> I use Belbin a lot because for me, it's a key tool to try and bring shared leadership into a team. Because what does that mean? It means, well, you know, Mark, he's the finance guy. Of course, he's going to do all the finance stuff, but he also happens to be the most creative one. Right. And, and we see that through a process called Belbin. So when we have a project going on where creativity is needed, maybe my first 
reaction would not be to look at the finance guy, right? I mean, finance, okay? But Mark happens to be a creative person. And so it brings, for me, an, an extra dimension to those connections. And what is so powerful is that Belbin will identify my strengths. Actually, we call it my, my preferred roles and yeah. then my least preferred roles. But guess what? We're in a team, maybe there's five or six of us. Maybe what is my least preferred role turns out to be Sean's preferred role. Oh my God, that's interesting. Well, I thought you were just doing the, you know, the marketing, but it turns out that you're pretty good in something I'm kind, I, I don't like to do. Can you imagine the, the energy, the potential um, support that people can build for one another if we open up to have discussions it's, like and this? Exactly that, Peter, exactly that. And I, I, I feel quite passionately um, about those team roles uh, for, since we've discovered them, myself and Mark, because I think it takes you out of that box, you know, I think when we're when, when we're in these companies and we're in these corporations, you know, you get put in your box and you're good at that, hopefully. Um, otherwise, you're out of a job. And that box is usually defined by like the, the thing function. you need out of exactly. you. Yeah. Exactly. Whereas the role, yeah, yeah. I, I'd, the exactly. job. Exactly. I'm, I'm a very average podcaster, but, you know, I'm doing a podcast. So it has nothing to do with my role, right? But Correct. it's something that I yeah. enjoy and something that I'm trying to do. So, you know, exactly. you, you've, you've made a book, but for 20 years, you were in operations an engineer. An, an engineer exactly you know and i think we need to take Correct. ourselves out of that box to in order to get that yeah. that team advantage as you call it correct correct and what's also nice to add on belbin um belbin doesn't then say oh you're the creative guy let's move to the next person you're the the driver no it will actually give you we all can do each of these roles to some extent we just are more comfortable we prefer some more than others so again, it doesn't put you in a box. It just highlights those areas where you're really good and where the team can count on you. It also, there were a couple, there were a couple of powerful things for me. One, it, it kind of let me know in a way that validated where I was uncomfortable or less comfortable doing stuff. And knowing that that didn't limit me in the way that kind of self-esteem works where you go, well, I'm rubbish at this, therefore. But also... The process of getting feedback from others about how they experience or witness the work that yeah, I do. Exactly, because Belbin is, is, is a peer assessment. And just to build on what you said, Mark, and oh my God, we're we're having we're really aligned here. Just imagine that you discover that while well, you're not so good at this stuff, which you typically would not be surprised about, but then imagine that you know that the guy, gal in your team is is enjoys that stuff can you imagine mm. how the one plus one equals more than two comes about it's if we can put these things in an in an intelligent and, and smart and, and professional way make them explicit and then say to the team here look look at all the potential how you guys how are you guys going to build i on think that? We, i think we've we had an episode where we had someone on who was a bit of a ray dalio expert and i think he spoke about kind of one plus one equaling three um to have that power you know to uh, to kind of do more uh, I, where does communication sit this is my com communication piece peter because I, I use that word in every single episode um because i don't think we we have the roles but we have to communicate what our roles are to each other, right? So in order to have that conversation about, oh, Peter, I didn't realize you were excellent at this and you really enjoy it. I don't. There needs to be that, that communication. How do we kind of foster that? Um, and how important is it? Is this where we get on to psychological safety? <laughs> we'll, get, we'll get there, that's for sure. So 
I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not, I don't think I'm going to answer with psychological safety right away. Um, but but it is of course aligned. I think at least in the teams I've worked with, it's not obvious for people to say, "I think you're good at that," and I think myself, I, I'm not really good at that. We're not comfortable. We're not trained to do that. So tools like Belbin and there's others help us. Sometimes even to go back to your point, Mark, put people in boxes, which doesn't sound good, but but I mean, at least it helps us give a language. And I've seen teams that once they discovered Belbin or others, a few weeks later, you realize they, they talk to one another like that. Say, you know, well, you come on, you're the creative one. Let's put your, in a positive way, of course, I mean. So first step is it, it allows, it allows those connections to be built and to for, for some meat to be put some meat to be put on the bones now communication is a big word um, I in, in the work I do I typically try to build in some some steps when I work with a team over a six month period and we'll do a day a day and a half on Belbin and we'll build up some communication elements in that you know and we're going to break the team up not everything happens with all the whole team it could be pairs it could be groups of three then coming together as a group etc and just helping the team along to be honest yes I'm, I'm i hope it doesn't sound derogatory but helping the team along getting used to communicate about these things because they just for in my experience they're not used to it they don't have a language for it and ultimately and now mark will smile Yes, that does bring us to team psychological safety. Because what is the definition of team psychological safety? It's a shared belief by the members of the team that the team is safe for interpersonal risk-taking. And interpersonal risk-taking means telling Mark how I think he did on that job or telling Sean what I thought about his, his last intervention. So, But let's not jump there. Let's not jump there right away. I think that we need to, to help the team put a, a bit of foundations in place first you talked about having a language and how important having that shared language is i think that's so powerful from a from a team point of view and from a organizational point of view where it, un it underpins the ability to talk frankly because you're using the words that we all know what they mean rather than using words that, that could be taken. And are often taken anyway. in a different way. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and are often taken yes, in a different exactly. way. And that as a risky act and the various acts that don't feel risky within team building, we've talked about a lot in kind of broadways and in different language with the various people that we come on. Ultimately, everyone starts circling around the same concepts. But what I'd love to hear from you is how your research has landed on this concept of psychological safety and team psychological safety. And at that level, what's that made up of? Yeah. Oh, my God. I hope you have a lot of tape left in your recorder there. <laughs> On the subject, now that we've got there, now that we've got we've there. got there <laughs> uh, on the subject of team psychological safety. So I was always fascinated before in, in the work I did and 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 in my research about teams. You know what makes some teams tick, and others don't. And I started about reading about team performance. It's really determined by how the team learns, and that's when I discovered team psychological safety. And and so what Edmondson in her in her research which is actually 1999, a long time ago, identified that really it's if a team 
can speak up freely about the issues they have, the doubts they have, whatever. If they can do that in a safe way, there's no, there's no backlash, there's no ridicule, etc., then that allows the team to learn. If I say to Sean, you know, what you just said, I don't understand it. There's two ways for Sean or others in the team to react. They can go like, my God, what do you mean you don't understand? We all know what this means, right? Or you could snicker or you could just make a, a funny face. That comes to the same. If that happens, guess what? Next time I have a doubt, I'll, I'll not be the stupid one. I'll just be quiet. And that thing I didn't know, that thing I didn't understand, just gets stuck. You get somewhere. Hopefully it doesn't bother us too much, but we didn't deal with it. If, on the other hand, we can deal with me speaking up in a positive way, the, in, in me speaking up can be dealt with in a positive, constructive way, then it allows me to understand. It allows you guys to know me better, to say, oh, Peter didn't understand that, so we need to maybe pay attention to that in the future. So that's really the whole foundation of learning. Again, not just about the 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 topic we're talking about, the, the project, the product, but also about us as, as team members. And so what I like to do, and also in the work I do today with Team Psychological Safety, is go back to the origins of Edmondson's work, because I'm a bit frustrated that so many people talk about Team Psychological Safety, and they just make it again into a tick box exercise, right? Oh, you should feel free to speak up. Well, if it were that easy, it probably wouldn't be such such an important part of why some teams are struggling. It's not just we'd all be doing it. Exactly, it's not a, it's not just something you can mandate. And so I go back to the origin of of the research, and really, when Edmondson measures team psychological safety, she measures it through seven statements. Right? She measure she measures she, we actually measure psychological safety in a team. We don't just talk about it. We say, well, it should it's a bit too low, a bit too high. No, we actually measure it through a very simple survey. Um, seven statements, you know, uh, I feel I can speak up with the members of a team about something I don't understand, for example. I feel I'm being appreciated. So there's seven statements that have been really research-wise been backed up. And I go back when I work with a team to those seven statements and I actually measure the team psychological safety and and like you go that, and you ask them to put a number on it a number from one to seven a typical likert scale you know i completely disagree i completely agree on everything in the middle and it gives a picture of the team where does everybody answer in the same way they could they could all say they could all give a low score but guess what if they all give the same low score that's actually a good thing it means we all are aligned that we suck at this or that whereas if two people say we suck and two others say we're the best team in the world about a certain statement, yeah. that doesn't sound very well from the team perspective. So measuring that gives me a lot of um, stuff to work with and then f- to build upon once we've done that first survey. Now, where that is a survey that benefits from noticing that balance or imbalance, do you do that as an anonymous survey or do you do that 100%, 100% anonymous. Yeah. Yes, so I it's, cannot it's even... less about who and more about exactly. what and, is. You know, Mark, I've, I, it happens once in a while, you know, when I visualize the results, because I'm still an engineer, don't forget, so I actually make a graph with the results. <laughs> and course. guess what? Sometimes you will see, you know, well, most of the people answered rather positively, and then one person answered the opposite way. Human nature is, oh my God, who was that? Who was that? I think that yeah. must have been, it's probably Sean, because, you know, I think, so, and we start to say, who's the individual in the team who kind of, right, stands out? And as a, as a facilitator, as a team coach, my challenge is to say, 
this is part of the team. This is the picture of the team. So let's not identify who it is. Let's say as a team, we have this situation. How do we deal with it? So it's, how do we how do we put the team around it so that it's supported exactly to move forward? Yeah, yeah. that's 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 fascinating. Go on, Sean. Touching on on that psychological safety, it's uh, at the very foundation is something that we have to do in education all the time, because when we have young people, and they are in the very kind of early stages of their development as to who they may become, who they may be, what they may go on to be, an architect, an engineer, a podcaster, a YouTuber, <laughs> whatever it may be. Um, <laughs> you know, if, if you shoot down that student's answer in a lesson or their idea or their opinion, you could be shooting that person down, that young person down. For the rest then, of their life. For the rest of their life. Now, Sean, just allow me to build on that because I live in Asia. I live in... Thailand, but a number of countries around have a similar, not too different culture uh, with a huge power distance, with the notion of power distance identified by Hofstede as being very high, which means what? People are, are from a young age taught to be respectful of senior people that can be their parents, grandparents, people in school, people in authority. The challenge about, so the challenge we have here in Asia is People have been going through an education system where questions were not encouraged, where people don't raise their hand to say, oh, teacher, I don't agree, because they will lose face in front of another strong notion here, losing face. So the challenge is pretty strong here in this part of the world to, to, to build up this team's psychological safety. Having said that, it, it, for me, it's, it's all about the team, okay? We're not going to change the team psychological safety of the country, it's about the team and six or seven individuals or six or seven individuals. They, they come from a culture, but they're all different. So I don't want to go back too much to the culture. But yes, the notion of power distance does, does have an influence on this. Yeah, it's with the kind of the nature of that psychological safety being so precarious from a general identity point of view, it goes even further beyond like, what do I want to be when I grow up as much as who do I want to be in this room? Correct. Uh, and you do feel quite a huge responsibility to maintain a safe environment for that. Uh, which is an interesting one because it does feel like sort of separate leadership. Yeah. And, and it's one that we always kind of contend but, with. But, but you got just to go back and not want to beat a dead horse, but it's one thing to say, please speak up. But the, the, the challenge happens in what happens within the team once somebody has spoken up. Do the other roll their eyes? Do they laugh behind the person's back, etc.? So the leader, again, we talked about the connections, etc. The leader has an influence, but you cannot mandate, you know, people reacting in a certain way. So it takes, I agree, team leadership. I just want to emphasize, the reason I emphasize it is because it goes beyond just the leader himself. It is really all those connections between these other people. Those are the ones that influence psychological safety. It's, uh, it's, like, it's like building a net, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, I like that. I use the word connections, but you could say it's like a net, yeah. You know, and when, it's like a big trampoline. When you, when, you put, when you step here, the whole thing kind of starts to wobble, right? So, so yeah, yeah, kind of there you zags go. around. That's a, that's a really nice image. I love it. <laughs> um, so one of your other areas of practice is this idea of action learning. And that's uh, something I have, I have absolutely no experience 
with, although I have a feeling in the same way that I didn't understand psychological safety from the way that you're describing it, we're going to hear a lot of things that are going to ring quite probably, true. Probably. Um, but, as an, but as a kind of a facilitated process, what is, what is action learning? All right. So I'll do that in 30 seconds. So, but, but what is nice is about action learning for me is a very powerful approach, method, process to actually develop that sense of psychological safety. Once again, you cannot mandate it. And too often people think, well, well, you should have psychological safety. Okay, done, let's move on. It takes a bit more practice than that. And action learning is a process. So to give you the simple explanation, uh, Mark, what is action learning? You put six or seven people around the table and you ask them to try and solve a complex problem, not an easy one. You know, not where, oh, there's two options and let's vote. That, that's, not a, that's also a valid method, but that's, that doesn't work for complex problems. And what's, in, what's powerful in the methods that I promote, there's a few other methods, but in the World Institute for Action Learning method that I'm trained in and, and train now other people, we, rather than what we often immediately do is when you're faced with a problem is we try to propose ideas, suggestions, solutions, right? And, oh, I think we should do that because I used to do that and I think this will work as well. In action learning, we take a very long time asking questions about the problem, not about solutions. So two different things, asking questions as opposed to giving opinions. And secondly, about the problem, not about solutions. And just that very simple rule, and actually it's one of the ground rules, we, we the ground rule is statements can only be made in response to questions. And if you, remember, if you want to remember anything, Mark, from while action learning, remember that one. Statements can only be made in response to questions. It's a super powerful ground rule. And it just... So there's no one walking in and going, I think. There you go. Hmm. There you go. As soon as somebody says, I think, the coach will say, are you answering somebody's question? Or do you want to ask a question, right? There's two options. You either asks, ask a question to somebody, which... Questions in the English language don't start with I think. Uh, or you answer a question that somebody else has asked. Now, that's a very small, and that's another example that without doing the whole action or anything, just making that as a principle in a meeting is very powerful. And it actually develops people really listening to each other, really listening to each that's other. That's a, a base of humility there then, I guess. Um, because that, that's interesting. I've never had it put that way, but but... You know, in action learning, it's the ground rule. So we either follow the ground rule or we don't. So, but you're right. If I would say in, in general life, maybe, um, yeah, it would be first let me ask questions, rather bef understanding you, right, as Stephen Covey said, rather than trying to make you understand me. So it, it goes back to that as well. Let me ask questions to understand what this problem is Exactly. About. I just, I think that the I think, I think is a very ego-driven you know, so that, that that's where of I was course. going with that. Exactly. Are you imagining, Sean, also about that kind of the practicing of exercising risk taking through expressing a lack of knowledge or a, or a, or a gap in my understanding builds a practice of, of reinforcing psychological safety or, you know, through exactly. testing it. Uh, brilliant. C can I, can I, because there you open the little door, Mark. You have to allow me to jump on that. <laughs> One of the five foundations, we call them foundations of team psychological safety. We don't have time to go through all. Is practice. Practice, right? And I always give the same, the, the following analogy. Look at a sports team or a, an orchestra or a, a band or whatever. They practice probably 90% of their working, living hours, breathing hours to be able to perform. 
once a week, once whatever is their schedule. But then look at teams and organizations. When do we practice? It's, it's, it's flipped, if, if at all, yeah. We don't have, we, we haven't found a good way to say, let's practice because practice is let's do something and the result doesn't count, right? If I practice soccer, I can try a new shot and if it fails, I, nobody's harmed. When we actually work with a team, the same is not, and I'm just intrigued by it. I haven't found a perfect solution yet. Action learning is not about practice because what we do with action learning counts. It's not like, let's pretend to ask some questions. Yeah. No, it's for real. But it opens... their situations, yeah. There you go. But, but it, it's one of the tools, just like the little micro-reflections I mentioned earlier, that for me come as close as we can to helping a team practice uh, we're still very far from the, you know, the, the comparison with the sports teams, but at least to try to build that notion of practice, what have we learned today, we can we do better tomorrow into everything we do. Yeah, I think the space for performance is occupied in work a lot of the times, which means we don't, we don't create, we exactly. don't create specific space. So you go back to the idea of the away day, the once a year, we're going to go and swing in trees and consider that practice when actually all we're exactly practicing is not working. Except if you have uh, a swing, a tree, a tree swinging company, maybe. But yes, other than that, yeah, exactly. <laughs> other than that, swinging trees doesn't really help us do it, much better. Exactly. It reminds it reminds me uh, just to contextualize it for the drama teachers who listen or the the performance makers. It reminds me of the situation that I encounter quite a lot with uh, young performance makers where in order to devise a piece that doesn't exist, I will say we should start with an improvisation. We'll just start making it up and see what happens. And the useful version of that is to pose a question Hmm. at the beginning of the improvisation uh, or set up an environment and see what happens if you play it out. What ends up always happening is a conversation where we decide what we're about to do and then we try and meet that conversation and it sounds a little bit like a little bit like breaking ourselves out of that practice with this action learning process as well. So do you is this a, is this an intervention for crisis specific situations is how does someone choose oh this is we need action learning oh, right now. Oh okay no definitely not actually um action learning we do start from a problem. But the problem does not mean catastrophe. Right. Um, <laughs> there is every organization, every team has problems all the time. Um, they, they maybe don't like to speak up about it because it kind of feels like we're not doing our job very well. But in the end, every team has a problem. And what I always say, that's my sales pitch. And I'm not a good salesperson, but I always say, look, uh, to a CEO or a, t- a leader, say, look, how is your team really working together? You know, how, how yes, you have a team and there's six direct reports, but how do they work together? Explain to me what happens when they all sit in the same room. Very often the answer I get is, well, you know, we, we each share an update and there's some Q&A and that's about it. And that's so sad. And so then I say, well, I maybe have a different way to build collaboration. You know, collaboration is a word we use easily. How do you start? You don't put, you know, six people together and say, well, come on, guys, let's collaborate now. That doesn't work. So action learning for me is a great way to get that started. And, and it's very powerful to strengthen those connections. Because what we're doing, we're not trying to be best buddies. We're trying to solve a problem, a real problem that the organization faces. The sales are going down. Whatever it is, our new product is not working. 
Now, most people are motivated by solving the problems and solving that problem through the ask, use of asking questions, we are building those connections. We are building that reflection and that learning. So we often say in action learning, the problem, the challenge is kind of the excuse to get people to connect, connect. to ask questions, to listen, to, to, to appreciate one another. Exactly. Because if you try to do it the other way around, it often becomes, oh, let's do an appreciation day. And here's what I like about you, Mark, and you're a great guy, Sean. And well, Thanks, okay, Peter. that's it. So we flip it around. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. No, so, if it, so it forms kind of a starting point in, in many ways. So the problem, so, so what we say is that if you want a team really to build a team, to build individuals in the team, to build a team, what we do in actual learning is start with a problem, a business problem, something that everybody will be feel good about if we can solve it. And the process we use helps build individuals, helps, you know, active listening and those can, connections. Peter, can, can the problem be the vision, the vision be the problem in the sense of ma almost making vision a problem in a sense of this is our vision that we would like to get to. And if we continue to strive towards this vision, we will continually solve problems along the way and become incrementally better year on year on year. Is there any, any connection between those two or do you see vision as an important thing that's a kind of tenant to run through your company or team? I see vision as very important, I, I, but I do see this as in the background and I don't mean that in a negative way, but to be clear, the problem we're going to talk about has to be a real problem, it has to be something that hurts us today. So if we say, well, we have a vision ahead of us, I don't think that's a problem today. It could be that we've had a vision for three years and we're still treading water. Right. So then the problem could be, hey, you know, we have this vision thing, but we're not connected. That could be the problem. But, but very, so, so it has to be a real problem. And, and we're going to, yes, we, we really want to make sure that it's a good, dirty, difficult problem because that gives us lots of stuff to... Uh, not break our teeth upon that's that that's too harsh but to learn on to learn on as a team and as individuals no, that makes sense yeah so practically action learning as a team tool rather than a project tool yes i guess yes so it it's not a, it's not a process in order to solve the problem it's a process in order to create the team that can solve problems i'm happy you continue with the second part of your statement right because if you would have stopped it's not just a tool to solve a problem, full stop. Well, it is a, t a tool to solve yeah. a problem, but it's actually, it is, Problems get is, solved, a, is yeah. a, it's a process to help a team learn so that they get better at solving problems. Because guess what? If the one today gets solved, there's going to be others next week, next month. But if the team can attack each problem in a more in intelligent, I don't mean like IQ-wise, but in a smarter way as a team, building on one another ideas they will make progress and guess what we're going to move towards a high performance team yeah it's 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 great it just feels like it's built as a process to honor those statements that we've that we've spoken about it, it, as a as a as a human process rather than yes, as a yes. and, and if, business process if i may go back to you know my little um uh, summary of what i did in the last 8 years um I, set a, I, I started my action learning journey and my team psychological safety doctorate research very, completely separately. Frankly, when I started with both, I hadn't made the connection. But the more I made progress, the more I got experience in action learning, seeing it happen 
seeing a team develop and then and just it it clicked more than clicked and i've been i'm very proud of of the work i've been able to do which very few people do lots of people talk about team psychological safety i think very few measure team psychological safety then work with a team through a number of sessions a number of weeks number of months doing action learning and then measure again what the team psychological safety is in the team and having a nice uh progression it's never finished but definitely showing that action learning helps to build those connections helps to build a high performance team so peter that has been truly you know wonderful wonderful listen just to to be here and to be chatting to you just so much stuff in there i look forward to listening to this back and i know that our, our listeners are going to just lap this up um and you know hopefully buy lots of copies of the untapped team advantage but um we like to say coaches make coaches and obviously coaches can mean very many different things leaders etc um who's inspired you and kind of molded how you operate I guess, over, over your career and over, over your life? Um, because we think that's a, a really important question to ask um, all of our guests. Yes, it is. It's a good question. Um, I'm not going to name names because I couldn't name them. I'm talking about real people, but nobody would know them. Well, not nobody, but... Um, so I've been, I think I've been molded. I've had in my career more than two, but two main leaders with whom I worked who were day and night. Um, one, the first one was actually very much like me, I have to admit now, very much the same, you know, engineer, very square, very, you know, um, uh, very, very much molded the same way as I am. I, I say that, I say that now, I didn't realize that at the time because that interaction, not just with me and that person, but with, with that person and the entire team was just, um, I call it now transactional. I wouldn't have identified it like that at the time, but it's just getting business done. Uh, when there's a problem, who can I shout at? Uh, who needs to be blamed and who needs to you know, recover, etc., etc. And then I had a number of years, somebody who was the complete opposite. And that also means the complete opposite of myself. All right? And I can tell you the first six months, that was like a baptism of fire because talking about being um it was moving from one continent to another that's one thing and then with somebody who's so completely opposite of the, the relationship i'd had to make a long story short because i think you're getting where this is going i realized that i learned way much more i developed way much more from the second person which whom with whom i'd almost given up because i could not feel connection here we go again i could i it was just so difficult in the beginning until I realized that that's where I'm going to learn, not from being with somebody who's almost like me, but somebody who's the complete opposite of me. And I hope that that has helped me. And I still think about that, that, that picture of those two people because I worked with each of them for about each, each time five years, six years. So it's a pretty solid, I would say, experience. So coaches making coaches, um, maybe I would say to that, Look out for those people or methods or approaches or ways of thinking that are maybe so different from yourself that you go like, how on earth can, you know, whatever. Because maybe there's some nuggets there that help you move, stay to who you are. You know, I started by saying I'm still the engineer. I still am today. 
but I think it helped me to develop to be, become a more rounded, maybe more, hopefully more uh, better engineer slash leader and today engineer slash coach. Awesome. I, th- I think, I, you know, I think me and Mark are aligned in many ways and, and you know, we, we work together often, but I don't think there's many schools where a drama teacher and a head of well-being has shares an office with a, a head of co-curricular in sport. And so I think I've certainly learned a lot from from Mark in that sense, because we, we are aligned on some things, but we are very different in, in, in other ways. And I think that's really helped. Anyway, I'm speaking for both of us here, Mark. But <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I'll, I'll agree. I think I think one of the fun ones is how we both consider competition, where uh, the sports teacher's version of competitiveness and performance is very different from the drama so, teacher. So I think, I think I think that's an awesome point to, to raise there, Peter, in terms of finding people who aren't exactly like you. And I think there's an element, again, of kind of ego in there as well, because sometimes you want to hang around with people who are like us because we're great, right? <laughs> exactly. Well, you meant like me, right, Sean? But, but exactly. Exa- and that's to reinforce. Happened. Exactly. That's what happened in the first years of my career. Uh, I was at the time very happy with that person who was almost like a copy of myself because I didn't have a comparison point. And and I felt that what he was doing was almost the same as I would have been done. So it almost felt like so natural that I only saw the limitations of that once I was in a completely different situation with a completely different leader. No, I think that was an awesome example that you've given there, Peter. Thank you. And and lastly, uh, I think our audience have to and need to know where they can uh, where they can get the untapped team advantage where they can find you as well as possible websites we need to be able to uh, to tap in so to speak into this team advantage peter yes of course thanks for the thanks for the all the great questions so um i am very active i i can say very active on linkedin i like to do to write and publish on linkedin so you'll find me there as peter cowalier there's not many people with that name so i need to make sure you get the right spelling uh, we'll put links in the show notes. So any, anything you say, we'll make sure that you cool. can just get there one click. And so the books on Amazon, both on Kindle and in paperback. Um, I also have a number of copies sitting in my office. So if somebody, if you're in the UK, I don't know if you're in the UK, what, what what's easiest? If, of course, you're a Kindle person, then go to Amazon. If you want a, a paperback copy and you want my scribbles in there, um, I'm happy to do that. And I've been sending some books, you know, to to um to france to yesterday one to austria so so people people that hear about what i do and and like what i do so if you want a signed copy contact me through linkedin is the best way Uh, and if if not if you want kindle or just from amazon go to amazon amazing we'll make sure that we link to the easiest place for everyone to get there and to your linkedin profile Uh, all that's left is to say thank you so much for your time from across the other side of the world you're you're at evening right now and we're at uh, middle of the afternoon so we really really appreciate it Uh, and thank you for your wisdom and uh, and answering our questions i really enjoyed it because i I've, I, I, it was not my prepared, not that I prepared anything, but it was not my prepared, yeah, this you know, isn't the, this isn't, this isn't the Ted talk. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's not a Ted talk. And, and there was good interaction that allowed me to, you know, good questions allowed me to think. And I really enjoyed it. I really mean that. I really enjoyed it. You can always have me back. Oh, Peter, thank you so much. Honestly, I mean that the, the opportunity for someone like myself to be having a 
intelligent conversations with a you know with a phd uh <laughs> doctor is uh you know I, I, my friends will be like what the hell is going on here sean how have you managed to <laughs> how have you managed to get get that sorted um so no it's been an absolute pleasure peter and uh, i look forward to, to reading the book and passing it on to friends and colleagues so thank you again for your time have a wonderful week and stay safe yeah you too indeed indeed Loved that. What do you think? Awesome. Really awesome episode. Um, as I said, I think the podcast has given us an opportunity to speak to kind of a wide and varied uh, group of people. Um, and, you know, to have an academic PhD, uh, you know, yeah, you, said it, you said it in the interview, like, oh, my goodness, how do how do how do I young Sean from from northwest London? Sorry, West London. Thank you. I almost blew my lid for the first time on the 40th episode of a podcast, you were going to put me in the wrong postcode. <laughs> uh, how do I, young Sean from West London, uh, find myself having international conversations with uh, PhDs about teamwork? And what I loved about it, that it like it's clear that the research runs deep. It's clear that the, the kind of the underpinning stuff about psychological safety uh, and about all of these ideas that he's talking about are, you know, he could go into infinite depth about it, but the book and the conversation um, made it accessible to me and to you in a way that like, I can apply that stuff. That stuff he was talking about, the, um, the action learning stuff, where he was talking about the, 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 the way you approach uh, not making statements unless they are in answer to a question. That was really powerful, I think. I think when he said that, we were just kind of both like whoa yes for for its simplicity for its effectiveness and yeah we we we've started taking that into into our into our work and our and our, d- our daily lives haven't we definitely and you know just the way he was talking about it being a practice yeah. you know like it, it it's a practice to try and create psychological safety within your team uh you know emotional intelligence connectedness all of these things, they take time. They take time together with the people you're yeah. working with. Uh, and all of that is super important. Yeah. But it is practice just like in a sport or in, in you know, you know, habitual stuff that needs to be done regularly. And also yeah. educationally to educate people on what psychological safety looks like. Yeah, the uh, idea that the relationship that. is a thing that yeah. needs to be tended to rather than just a byproduct of our working together like we will have a relationship. The idea that the relationship has qualities that we can work on, has qualities that we need to do deliberately and specifically. Uh, yeah, game changer on some of that stuff. Yeah, and you know, he was saying about, you know, like staff away days and stuff at the beginning of a year or whatever, like is, <laughs> is great, um, is great, but that's not tending to it. Like we said, you know, this, this yeah, needs to be done Taking that constantly. box at the beginning of a process and then trusting that that's going to change. No, it's about, it's about that constant relationship management i think as well you know just you know he's had obviously a lot of recommendations on his book and um he's been kind enough to reply to some of the people that have you know given those recommendations mm. um and kind of reviews um and just recently in a, in a post you know he said you know my objective was indeed to make it pragmatic and practical because what 
point is there in reading but not being able to implement and I think that says a lot about our conversation with him um, and a lot about the book um, so yeah I'm, I, I feel as though our audience will really enjoy this one yeah I'm, and and like if you do kind of decide to take some of this practice that he describes or you go away and you buy the book and you you start to put some of this stuff in place uh, or if you're using like action learning processes at the moment like I want to hear about how it works because going in as, as one person into a workplace and saying, I'm going to try this thing out uh, again, doesn't really, you won't necessarily feel the massive impact of it. But if you're using this stuff, like let us know because it's, uh, it feels like it's a game changer. And if it is like, we should be, we should be singing it from the rooftops in the same way that, that, that we tried to do with, with Belbin. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, I don't have a great singing voice, but I'll try my best to uh, really get it out there. <laughs> uh, so there, there you go. That's that's our that's our episode and our um, set of ten. Uh, I won't call it a decade. Uh, Sean and I are going to take a break next week, where we go back and we listen to the ten again, and we have a think about what we want to add. Like it really helps us if you guys kind of feed into that. So tell us what you want to hear. Tell us like what bits of it you work tell us if you liked the live episode um and whether that's something just just sean and i talking to each other about like how we're practically implementing this stuff whether that's a useful thing to hear you can do that in all the ways we talk about at the end of every episode you can at us on twitter or instagram at no i podcast you can email us mark or sean at no i podcast dot show or you can hit us both up on LinkedIn. Links for that and for everything that we have been talking about uh, in the episode. So all of Peter's links um, will be in the show notes. Uh, we will see you in a couple of weeks' time. Thanks always for listening. Yeah, thank you um, to those who are in the LinkedIn community uh, who have been kind of commenting and liking uh, the episodes on a weekly basis and giving some feedback. We really do appreciate it. So thank you to our LinkedIn community, especially. And of course, thank you to everyone who has taken their time out to appear on the podcast this series. Um, all that's left though for now is uh, for me to say goodbye from Sean. Goodbye, guys. And goodbye from me. Goodbye. You must be like the wolf pack. Teamwork. Yes.